Good morning, good morning. Great to see all your faces. Those that are a little more sunburned, uh, mean you had a good time yesterday. And so, man, what, what a really good time we had. Um, again, like as Jeremiah was sharing, thank you to all who came on out. And we know some of y'all just couldn't make it for all kinds of different reasons. We want you to know you were missed for real, for real. Uh, and so uh, this is why we want to do different kind of things throughout the year so we can get connected as, as uh, brothers and sisters and get, to, get, get connected and get to know people that we don't know. And that's the beauty of these different kinds of events like our church picnic. So uh, that was awesome. Excited about that having happened and the things in front of us. A lot of exciting things going on this, this fall in front of us, fam. And so we want us to be able to get to know each other better, to spur each other on in our faith, to grow together. Because it's easy to coast. It's easy to coast. And we don't want to do that. And so as a church family, we want to help each other along. But we've also got to take those responsibilities and say, you know what, I want to grow in my faith. I want to get connected. I want to be surrounded by people that can help me stay on track. And so we want to do everything we can to help each other out in that process. And so, um, yeah, again, shout out and thank you to those who helped out. We had a ton of food left over, which means after service today, we are going to have our time of, uh, of, of eating and drinking coffee and whatnot downstairs in our fellowship hall uh, right after service, again, downstairs, so our team is ready to set that up. And please enjoy that, even if it's just for a few minutes, because, again, we want to get to know each other and grow together. Um, I want you to think about this. Um, you ever have that moment where you call somebody, and you're on the phone with them, and you're having a, a great conversation, and in this conversation, you start kind of opening up to them about something that you're going through, or you start telling them a story or something that's taking place in your life, and and you're going on talking about this story, and you're going on for a few minutes, uh, and this happened to me not that long ago. And all of a sudden, my phone rang, and I look, and it was a person that I thought I was talking to. That ever happened to you? Uh, not so much that you're talking to someone else, but that the call was dropped, but you never realized it was dropped. You're just talking along, and no one's there on the other line hearing you. And you're like, well, that's embarrassing. And then they're like, yeah, you, you, you left off somewhere at, and you're like, man, that was like three minutes ago, right? <laughs> and so, like, that happens. That happens to us. It happens on Zoom where you don't realize you're frozen and everyone else kept going. And you're talking, but, like, they're not hearing you, right? I thought about those, those examples, and I thought, you know, sometimes gathering together to worship God feels a bit like that. Prayer sometimes feels a bit like that, where you feel like you're going through the motions of singing songs or talking to God, but then you're like, you want to pause for a moment and be like, do you hear me? Are you even there? And there's times, if we're honest, that it feels like that call got dropped between me and God. The, the call got dropped. I froze, and God wasn't hearing what I was saying. Unless, am I the only one who goes through this family? Those times where you feel like I'm trying to be connected to God, but I feel like I'm talking to an empty room. I feel like my prayers got stuck on the ceiling and aren't making the heavens. And there are times in life where we feel that way and there are circumstances in our lives that make us feel distant from God. 
disconnected from God, apart from him. And those points in our spiritual lives can be very unnerving. Maybe you're here today and you're trying to reconnect with God. You came because you're like, man, my life just doesn't feel adequate. It doesn't feel satisfying. I think God is the missing piece, but every time I try to talk to him, I don't feel that connection. Or maybe you're here today and you're like, I know what it feels like to feel connected to God, but today, this week, this summer, this year, it just hasn't been there. And these are real feelings that we go through. And I'm grateful that God addresses these kind of feelings in the Bible. What do you do when your soul is downcast? What do you do when your soul is downcast because you feel like God isn't at the other end of your worship and prayers? Well, what I want us to know today is that you can worship through that weariness and experience God in a unique kind of way. Last Sunday, we entered a, into a message series on worship, on white flag worship, as we call it. This idea of surrendering who we are to God and coming to him saying, God, I need you. Worship, as I said last week, is not something we turn on in the car on the way to work. It's not something we put on while we're cleaning but worship is an activity that we take part in because there is a God who receives our worship family. I read someone define worship as this. Worship is a way of gladly reflecting back to God the radiance of his worth. It is not something we can do passively, but it's something we do actively. Psalm 29 verse 2 says, ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. It's saying, give to God the worth that he's due. But then I say, what do you do when you feel like God is not receiving your praise? What do you do when you're downcast and depressed and discouraged and weary and you're like, how do I worship God when this is how I feel? And even when I try to worship him, he feels far away. Maybe he feels far away because you've been away. Maybe he feels far away because sin has been in your life. Maybe he feels far away because life's just too full and you realize you haven't slowed down enough. Maybe he feels far away because you've been seeking pleasure and satisfaction in things other than him. Today I want us to possess a greater grit in our faith. So that even in the moments that are discouraging, because life has discouraging times, that we can know what it means to worship through weariness. To give him praise in the midst of feeling distant. In order to get there, I'm going to read and preach from the book of Psalms, chapter 42. I shared with you all last week, this is God's playlist for you. This is what God has established for us to learn to worship him. So I want to invite you to meet me in the book of Psalms, chapter 42, and invite you to stand to your feet. And if you're like me, I want to know what God has to say when I'm down and want to worship him. I'm going to be reading the entire psalm, which is 11 verses. And this is what God says to us through the psalm writer. The writer says this. 
As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God. Can you say thirsts for God? For the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. While they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Verse 4. These things I remember. As I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival. Why are you downcast, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you. From the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mitzar, deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and waves have gone over me. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night, his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go on mourning? Because of the oppression of the enemy. As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me. While they say to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him my salvation, and my God. Father in heaven, God, I know that each of us in this room, everyone listening today, know what it's like to be down. And some of us would even lament saying, I feel like I know more of what it's like to be down than what it means to be up. I'm discouraged. And God, I, I'm thankful, Lord, that you tell us and you show us what it means to continue to worship you when we are feeling stuck. And I pray for my brothers and sisters today who feel stuck. God, I ask that you would awaken within them a resolve to worship you, God, that they would sense your nearness, God, in ways they haven't for a while. God, I pray for people today to come to you in faith and say, Lord, I long for you. My Father, I, I, I bring this prayer request before you, Father, and ask that you meet us in this place. Speak through me, Lord. God, I pray that my words would be seasoned, God, by you. And that you would be exalted. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may take a seat, family. What I appreciate about this psalm is its honesty. Like, I'm really thankful. I was thinking this yesterday. I'm really thankful that the Bible's psalms and other things in the Bible are written within the context of real life events. Like, for example, 
You ever watch an inspirational true story or a movie that's based on true events? And you see someone exhibit great courage and bravery and you're like, man, that person inspired me. Like, think about that in comparison to like watching a Spider-Man movie. And you see him going through the city from wall to wall and fighting on trains and jumping onto another building. And you ever see that and say, man, I feel inspired by Spider-Man swinging from these buildings. Maybe you do. But I find myself more inspired by things that are real than things that are not. And so as I read these Psalms, I'm like, I'm thankful that this is somebody whose life is feeling really down. Now, I might be a little, like, twisted, like, I'm glad they're sad at the moment. Because now I know that God can meet me in my sadness. And so the Psalms are written within the context of a true story. And Right off the bat, we find some things about what's going on here. Before even verse 1, it says, To the choir master, a maskeel of the sons of Korah. The sons of Korah were essentially worship leaders in Israel. We don't know exactly when they lived, but when we kind of piecemeal things together, whether this psalm was based on something they had written or themselves had written, we learned that the circumstance of this psalm is something of the person writing feeling very disconnected from God. Which is why these iconic words in verse 1 stand out to us. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. Like here we see the psalmist struggling and saying, I'm longing for God in my life right now. I'm panting for God right now. The psalmist is expressing a deep desire, using this simile saying, like a deer. Now, I don't see deer very often, maybe when I'm driving down Cumberland. But I have seen images or videos of deer running through fields. And many think this psalm was written with a picture of a deer running through fields in the midst of a drought looking for water. Now, many of you guys have dogs and you've gone on walks, long walks or runs with your dog. When you get back, that dog's tongue is hanging out and panting. You've seen that. This is the image the psalmist is saying. That, that thirst, that longing, that desire to find some sort of water source is so much ingrained in that dog or in the deer that the psalmist says, that's me right now. What I also appreciate is the psalmist is directing these words to God. So he is both worshiping God and praying to God as he expresses this, this desire for God. Family, one of our core values at the Brook, we use this word water as our acronym. We talked about this last Sunday. The W standing for white flag worship, where we completely surrender to God. The A standing for being always on mission. We are all missionaries. The T standing for thirsty prayers. The E for embodying the scriptures. We want God's word to be living and flowing through us. And the R standing for real community because we want to be people who are real together. But that T, thirsty prayers is something that's very connected to white flag worship. Family, longing for God in prayer and surrendering to God in worship are intertwined. We don't worship when we don't need God. And when we need God, we're essentially worshiping him by expressing that need. And here the psalmist does that for us. The question is, why is he panting for God? Well, why is he longing for God in this moment? Is it simply because he just loves God and wants more of him? It could be. 
But as I said, there's a real life event behind this story. And what we see as we read the psalm is that there is something going on in the psalmist's life that causes him to feel separated from God. And the psalmist then makes four choices in order to persist in worship. He makes four choices to say, no, no matter what I'm going through, I'm going to keep worshiping God. And these are the four choices I believe God wants you and I to make, no matter what you're going through today, in order to be a worshiper of God. And I distinctly use the word choices, family. Because worship is not a passive activity. I really want us to understand that. That's why I keep emphasizing it's not something you turn on in the car. Can you worship in the car? Absolutely. Can you even put on worship music as a background to your life? Sure. Does that mean you're worshiping? No. Worship is something we do actively. It's a choice we're making. And the psalmist makes choices here. As discouraged as he's saying, I'm making choices, four of them in particular, in order to be a worshiper. And the first choice he makes is this. He chooses to obey his thirst. You guys remember that old Sprite commercial, don't you? Where they'd be playing basketball, real sweaty. They get a timeout. They grab a Sprite, open it, drink it, and say, obey your thirst. I find that to be a real interesting thing. Because when we were playing volleyball yesterday up in the 90-degree weather in the middle of the beach... Thirsty after three games, the person who brought us something to drink didn't bring a Sprite. I think there were Sprite there. Because we understand something about soft drinks when you're thirsty. What do we understand, family? They don't satisfy your thirst. Now, they might initially because they're cold, but ultimately the sugar in the drink just makes you more thirsty. Because what are you panting for? Water. You don't want something else that gives you the idea that you might be satisfied when actually you drink it and you realize, that didn't satisfy me. See, the psalmist is like, look, I'm like a deer right now, and I'm thirsty. But I'm obeying my thirst not to go after things that might promise me satisfaction, but I want the thing that will guarantee me satisfaction right now. I need water. I need living water. He said, I need God. See, when your heart is longing, no matter what you're going through right now, and you find your heart longing, understand that the thirst you must obey is not the thirst of your fleshly desires, but it's the thirst of your soul. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul not for a vacation, not for a raise at work, not for a new relationship. My soul pants for you, oh God. My soul thirsts, in verse 2, for God, for the living God. I mean, there's a lot of good things in our lives and things that bring us enjoyment. Like, Winning two out of three games on the volleyball court brought me a lot of enjoyment yesterday. And there are things in life that are, are fun. But we know that a steady diet of those things just won't bring satisfaction to our soul. 
I, I want us to be the kind of people who back up a little bit in life, peer into our hearts, and are not so busy and so full that we think that we just go with the flow and life's going to be fun and joyous. Like, I know firsthand, family, that, that does not bring me much joy in life. I need to look in my soul. And a vacation is good, take them. A raise is good, get that. Friendships are great, pursue them. But for the longing of your soul, go to God. Why is the psalmist longing so much? Well, we find some interesting details. He says, when shall I come and appear before God? My tears, in verse 3, have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Jump to verse 9. He says, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning? Because of the oppression of the enemy. The psalmist is disconnected from God because he's disconnected from his homeland. As we read this psalm, we get the sense that the psalmist is likely in exile away from Israel. And there he is longing for his homeland. And there he's longing for God. Family, as we think about our pursuit and desires of God, I want us to be the people who learn to really look deeply in our soul and long after God. One of my, my favorite little books is a book by a guy named A.W. Tozer called The Pursuit of God. And in this book, Tozer expresses this longing for God like this through a prayer. He says, oh God, I've tasted your goodness. And it has both satisfied me and made me thirsty for more. I am painfully conscious of my need for further grace. I am ashamed of my lack of desire. Oh God, the triune God, I want to want you. I long to be filled with longing. I thirst to be made more thirsty still. Show me your glory, I pray, so that I may know you indeed. I love how he says, like, God, I know what it means to be satisfied in you, but I want more of you, God. I just want more and more of you, no matter how distant from you I might feel. God, I just, I want you. And so, family, we, at these points of our lives, must choose to obey the thirst of our soul and go after God. Say, God, I need you. In the midst of him feeling separated from God, the psalmist does a second thing. A second choice he makes is that he chooses to remember where he's been. Look at here in verse 4. As the mockers are saying, where is your God? As they're taunting him, as he's away from Israel, he says, these things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. This is what he's doing here. He's away from Jerusalem, looking back to the times he was near the temple where God would bring his presence. And he's remembering how good it was to be there. Now, oftentimes we say, hey, remember where you came from. We are implying, like, remember your small beginnings or remember the mess that you were in and where you're at today. 
The psalmist is doing something here very different. He said, remember how good things were when you were worshiping God. You see, when you're feeling downcast and separated from God, the thing to do is to keep reflecting on the times it was good to worship God. Think of those moments in your life where you felt close to God. For some of you, it might have been a time alone in the car driving to work praying. Maybe it was at a retreat where you recommitted your life to the Lord or at a camp. Maybe it was in the quietness of your house when nobody else was home. I don't know what it was, but remember the times where you felt so close to God and choose to reflect and meditate on those times so that you don't forget how sweet it is to be near God. The psalmist says, I remember as I pour out my soul how I would go with everybody else. I'd be with the people of God. We'd go to the temple. We would sense God's presence there. We would sing praises to him. Man, those were good old times. I long for those times. And that's where the psalmist is at, remembering God. Now, I find something really interesting here that I really was wrestling with. Because, like, why does the psalmist feel like he can't worship God while he's in exile? Like, isn't God omnipresent everywhere? Why does he feel like he's got to be back in Jerusalem at the temple to worship? I think there's a few things going on here. The first thing is the psalmist says he remembers leading the throng, the groups of people in procession. What he's missing is God's presence, but not God's presence by himself. He's missing God's presence with the saints. He misses worshiping with the people of God. And it was good for him to remember how sweet it is to be with the gathered believers worshiping God because those were sweet moments of intimacy with God for him. Family, these last two years have been really difficult, haven't they? I've been thinking about this a lot, fam. Because in 2020, in March, I think it was the third week, we had to shut down services here. And I remember my soul agonizing for weeks, missing you all. I remember sitting on one side, Josh was over here, Tito was over there, and Jeremy was over there because we didn't know what COVID was. (laughs) But we knew how special it is to worship with the saints. And if we couldn't do it here in person, we were saying, let's find a way to do it virtually for the church. So our brother Tito hooked up a GoPro camera to a chair, live stream on Facebook with all its pixelated self, so that we as a church could have some semblance of being together while in exile. And we would say, man, even like this, at least we could be together. And then July came around. They were that long we were live streaming without being in person. We said, I think we can get back together. We spread out our seats and we began to gather again. But something happened, family, the last two years. Not everybody came back. We missed the church. And I think some of us have forgotten how sweet It was and is to be with the people of God, worshiping our God who alone satisfies our longings. 
Family, I, I say these words because we want to be the church and we miss our brothers and sisters. And while we were streaming only, we longed to get back together. And now that we can be back together, we see it and saying, I don't know if I really need that. In fact, I don't, you know me well enough, fam. Never do I want to guilt people to action. From the day we launched the brook, we don't want to guilt people to action, but we want to move and inspire you to love God. And I'm not saying people don't love God and they're not here on a Sunday. Don't hear me wrong. But what I'm saying is family. We were made to be a people who are together. To worship together. And when people say you don't need to go to church to be a Christian, I say, no, but, but no. To be a follower of Jesus, we put our faith in him. Yes, we are then adopted into God's family. But we see the psalmist here crying in exile saying, I need my family. And that's what us who have been redeemed say, I need the family. And so what he's choosing to do is he's longing to be present while unable to be present. And let us be those who are able to be present and actually do so. And so what he's choosing to do is saying, I'm just going to remember until the day comes I could be with the saints. I'm, I'm going to remember it. Another thing here that I want us to understand is the importance of the temple in worship in the Old Testament family. You see, when God led Solomon to build the temple, God chose to, God chose to put his glory in a building. I mean, the almighty, infinite, eternal God said, I'm going to choose to put myself there so that my people can come and experience me in a beautiful way. And so the people in the Old Testament, when they were right with God, they're longing for the temple. They want to be there with the saints because there was God's presence. And so the psalmist is not denying the fact that God is omnipresent, but he's saying there's something about the temple. There, there's something about what the, in the temple with God's people. But here's the beautiful thing, family, because we are not Old Testament Christians. We are what's called New Testament Christians. And we can worship God not just in one location where everyone has to go to, but we can worship God everywhere as the church universal. Why can we do this? Because our God said, I want worshipers everywhere. I want people to be able to worship me in Sudan and in South Carolina. I want people to worship me in China and in Canada. I want people to worship me throughout the world. And so what I'm going to do is come down to this earth and I'm going to make a way for them to worship me wherever they're at. He will come down as a man, as Jesus the Christ, and die on the cross so that his body would then be, as it were, an entrance into the presence of God through faith. This is why at Jesus' death on the cross, the curtain to the temple's holy of holies was torn in two so that God could be worshipped wherever, by whomever. Jesus tells the woman at the well, the time is coming. Where neither on this mountain nor on that one will people worship me. Jesus said the time is coming and is now here where worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth. 
So praise the Lord that in Chicago, we can gather to worship. While we got brothers and sisters in Japan who are gathered to worship. While we got brothers and sisters in Iraq who are gathered to worship. While, and I could keep going for a long time. Because our God made a way. And the psalmist is here longing for what we have direct access to. What a privilege worship is. But we got to make a choice to obey our thirst and remember what it's like to be with the saints even when we feel like our praise is hitting the roof. When we feel as if God has abandoned us. We go with what we know, the fact that he hasn't, and we choose to pray and praise through that. Psalmist makes a third choice. In verse 5, and again repeated in verse 11, he chooses to talk to himself. Some of you guys do that a little too much. I do that a little bit too much. How many times, like, Eric, where did you put your keys? Eric, why did you say that? And it's like, oh, man, did someone hear me? And you realize you're still talking to yourself. It's not too different, actually, what the psalmist is saying here. He says in verse 5, why are you downcast, O my soul? He takes his eyes and goes inward. He's looking in his soul and says, you're downcast. Why are you downcast? And his soul would say, well, you know why I'm downcast. We're in exile. I'm trying to get to Jerusalem. I want to worship in God's presence with his people. And the psalmist like, but why are you downcast, O my soul? And then he tells his soul, hope in God. See, we need to tell ourselves that there's reason to hope even when we feel depressed. We, we need to learn to tell ourselves that there's reason to hope when we feel weary. We, we got to look into our soul and say, I feel far from God right now, but soul, hope in God. Keep, keep hoping in God. I want to challenge you this week. <clears throat> If what you're going through right now, a friend came to you and said, hey, I'm going through this. How would you encourage them? The same thing that you're going through right now, if someone told you that that's what they're going through, how would you encourage them? What, what promises of God would you remind them of? What aspects of God's character? I'd encourage you this week to write down those things and then tell those things to your soul. Speak to your soul and say hope in God. The psalmist does a fourth thing in the midst of his discouragement. He chooses to persist in active praise. Why are you downcast, O oh my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. For I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. He says, I'm going to keep praising him. No matter how far I feel from him. In fact, he goes on to say in verse 6, My soul is cast down within me, therefore I remember you. 
from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mitzar, deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me. He is singing every night, he says. At night his song is with me. I'm still singing in the midst of what I'm going through because I'm persisting in active praise. I'm going to praise no matter what my circumstance is. I'm going to worship no matter what I'm going through today because my God is worthy of it and he receives my praise. So family, what do you do when you are downcast? What do you do when you feel like your praise is hitting, hitting the ceiling of this building or of your house? What will you do is keep praising Obey your thirst and keep longing for God. Keep going after God, talking to your soul and remembering what it's like to commune with him. Remembering how sweet it is to be together, family. That's my prayer for us, fam. And that we be these kinds of worshipers. Proactive and not passive. Dynamic and not static. People who are saying, Lord, I need you. Hope in God. Hope in God. Family, as we close up our service this morning, I want to invite our prayer team to come forward and our worship team, our musicians, I should say, to come on stage. Sometimes even calling them our worship team may imply that you all are not our worship team. I don't think y'all caught that. Sometimes referring to the people on stage as our worship team may make you feel like you not, are not a part of the worship team. But you are. We are all the worshipers. And as we sing this song here, I want you to remember times where you felt close to God. Times where prayer was much easier and worship was much more natural. And I want you to long for those times and say, Lord, would you do that for me again, please? I long to be filled with more longing. And I also want to speak to those perhaps who say, man, that's never happened to me. And perhaps today is a day where you need to really come to God and say, God, take all of my life, all of who I am. I'm surrendering to you. I'm believing in Jesus' life and death and resurrection for me. And maybe today, maybe this moment might be, might be the moment where for the first time, you felt closest to God. So no matter where you're at, family, I invite you to stand and sing with us as the worshipers that we are. Let's pray first. Father, we come, Lord, today and we just confess we want more of you, Lord. And thank you, God, that you are so gracious, so merciful so generous that you invite us even today no matter how far we've drifted no matter how um, how much we've messed up you are so persistent in your pursuit of us and so Lord we come white flag raised and say Lord take my life so thank you Lord for hearing us and thank you for receiving not just our prayers but also our praise in Jesus' name.
you've heard our prayers, you've heard our requests as we've sung that, Lord. And Lord, we do pray you would do it again. God, we pray that we would commune with you in fresh ways. Revive us, oh Lord. Revive and awaken our hearts, God, where it needs revival, Lord. God, raise us up from the misty lowlands that we travel so long, God. God, I pray that you would awaken us to you. Oh, Lord, deepen our affections, God. Deepen our trust in you, our joy in you. Thank you for who you are, Father. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, God. Hallelujah. We worship you, oh God. Family, before we dismiss, um, we're going to be downstairs for refreshments. Let's hang together, fam. Let's grow together. Let's hang out down there, enjoy some good food, some good fellowship before we head on out uh, toward the rest of our day and the rest of our week. I want to give you this blessing from the book of Lamentations, chapter 3, which says that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul that seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. So family, wait on the Lord and be renewed by his strength. You are dismissed. God bless you. We'll see you all downstairs. <laughs>